Great to see you all here this morning. Uh, we have been, uh, we had our uh, discipleship seminar with Dennis on Thursday night. And if you were there, it was, it was good, Nicole, wasn't it? It was good. And here Dennis share about George from Puerto Rico was fantastic. Uh, so we've been looking at Seek to Speak, and we're at this stage in our church life where, um, well, I prophesied a growth spurt, that we're looking at opportunities to share and about digging deeper in our own faith with him. So Dennis is here this morning to speak in the vein of that. We're delighted to have him. Dennis, if you don't know, um, he is the director of AMI International. And we are an AMI-associated church, and we are delighted to have you here, and we love you, and you're our friend as well, so it's all good. Would you like to come and join us? Yes, thank you. Let's pray for Dennis before we start. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, we thank you and recognize and testify that you're here among us. And we ask that you would help us to receive what Dennis has to give, and that you would empower him to give it. Will you come and bring what you have for our church through him? May he have his liberty here in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. What time are you uh, typically done with? Quarter two, around there. I usually run a little late. (laughs) Okay. Well, good to be with you this morning. It's good to be back uh, in your beautiful country. You have some very nice weather. I'm sure you've noticed that. And I like it when I come here and the sun peaks out at least uh, one day. So that's encouraging. When I left uh, my home in Phoenix, uh, our weather's just beginning to change there. You know it's uh, springtime. Uh, We had our first 100-degree day. I don't know how you uh, translate that, but it's hot. For you, it would be very hot. It would be a hotter day than you probably ever had uh, in your country. Maybe you ever found uh, anywhere. But as uh, Claire knows, it's not the hottest day in Phoenix. That's our spring weather, 100 degrees. Our summer weather is typically each day between 108 and up to 120. I mean hot. You, you could literally crack an egg uh, on the roof of your car and it would fry there in a few minutes. You could eat it. So would you like to visit any time this summer? <laughs> yeah, I don't think, uh, I, I really don't think you would uh, endure it very well. But in the wintertime, it's quite beautiful. Well, good to be with you. I want to speak to you this morning about uh, something I think is uh, vital to Uh, understand. I think it's a great, we're also going to look at uh, the testimony and an event that uh, a lady named Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 testifies of, and the report there is astounding really. But the title of what I want to speak to you about this morning is Ideal Revelation. Ideal Revelation response and outcome. If you can get an ideal revelation and if you know how to respond to an ideal revelation when you get one, then the outcome of an ideal revelation appropriately responded to is an ideal manifestation of the ideal revelation. There's a lot of shuns there. Revelation, manifestation. 
How many have ever had any what you would term severe negative circumstances in your life? Everyone. What do you do when you have some severe negative circumstances in your life? Hopefully you've come to understand that circumstances do not dictate the outcome of life. Hopefully you've come to understand that. It is imperative that we do know that and understand it because if you have severe negative circumstances and you don't know that they do not dictate the outcome of life, then you'll be severely impacted by them and full of fear and fret. And faith will leave you. You could be overwhelmed. You could be damaged. And the outcome of those severe circumstances could indeed end up dictating to you what their severity threatens you with. But we're Christians, right? And what that means is we have found our ideal revelation. You're aware of that. You have found your ideal revelation. For the ideal revelation is the person, Jesus Christ. He's the revelation. There is no greater revelation than he. And so anything he reveals to you qualifies as ideal revelation. He doesn't give a bad revelation. He doesn't give a mediocre revelation. Every revelation that comes from him is ideal because he is the ideal revelation. So all that he reveals to you, he comes with, in, and upon Sadly, there are too many Christians in the earth that are not so aware of this. And so when negative circumstances come to them, sometimes they're greatly challenged. They, they lose faith. They're not sure what to do. They're <clears throat> full of threat, sometimes even fear. Sometimes even the, their enemy, Satan, gets some opportunity as well to have some influence in their life. We want to avoid all that. Hopefully you know that the ideal revelation is made manifest in the Scripture in a multitude of ways. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How many would like all things added to you? Have you learned to prioritize the kingdom of God? Do you know what the kingdom of God is? And do you know who the king of the kingdom of God is? Now we're going to look now in 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you can do that. I'm going to tell you a bit of this story. I'd like to just verbally communicate verses 1 to 8, which gives a bit of a report about who's involved here. Uh, This story is about Hannah's husband, Elkanah, and the fact that he had two wives. And the one wife was, her name was Finanah. There's a lot of Nas in the names here. Elkanah, Finanah, and Hannah. So he has two wives, and Finanah has several children by Elkanah, but his wife Hannah is barren. She doesn't have any children. 
And once a year they go to the temple in Shiloh to worship and give sacrifice. And every time that they would go there, the one wife that had children, Finanah, she would torment Hannah. She would chide her about it. You're barren. You'll never have any children. You don't have value, and our husband doesn't care for you. He cares for me. All kinds of things like that, she would say to her. And so Hannah always had distress going to the temple because she knew that was going to be happening. Now, starting in verse 8, we will read. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? That wasn't helpful for him to say. She's barren and distressed and she's weeping and he knows it because she has no children. So he says, well, aren't I enough? That wasn't helpful. Negative circumstances. Verse 9, then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she, Hannah, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never come on his head. So Hannah, in her desperation and in her great success, she prays what I call an ideal revelation prayer. It's ideal. And she begins the prayer in the distress of her soul. But in the context of making the prayer, she makes a transition from the desperation of her soul to the desperation of her spirit. You see, if you pray a prayer from the desperation of your soul, it is full of anxiety and fear, and God can't hear it and he can't answer it. You've got to learn to make the transition from the desperation of the soul to the desperation of the spirit, because when you pray a prayer by the Spirit, unctioned by the Spirit. It's an ideal revelation prayer. Hello. You notice that in this prayer, she asked him several things. First off, she said, hear me. Then she said, remember me. Then she said, look on my affliction, recognize my need. So she asked him those three things. And then she communicated to him, if you hear me, if you remember me, if you answer my prayer. 
I vow to give back to you what it is that I'm asking you for. Now, why would you ask God for something and then tell him that you would give it up to him? That's part of the context of an ideal revelation prayer. Now, notice this, she says, but will give thy maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come upon his head. Now, what that means is she's saying to the Lord, I will give him back to you, and he will be a Nazarite priest and a prophet of the Lord. She needs a son. She's barren. She's devastated by the circumstances of her life. And she prays and asks for a son and then says, I'll give him, I'll dedicate him, and I'll give him back to you. That means that the son that she's asking for and the son she needs, she's going to give up and not have. And you're going to see this more clearly as we read along. Matter of fact, it is absolutely shocking what she does. Maybe you're very familiar with this story. It is profound. But it is the way to pray an ideal revelation prayer. Because an ideal revelation prayer is not about you and your fear and your neediness. An ideal revelation prayer is based in your need being met by your God showing up from your prayer. What she was after and looking for was God to come near and please himself. Because she knew that if he came near and pleased himself, she'd be pleased. And extravagantly so. Moving on. Verse 12, now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, this is the priest of the temple in Shiloh, was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. So her husband says to her, aren't I better than uh, 10 sons? Aren't I enough? That wasn't helpful. Then she's praying her prayer before the Lord. And the pastor of the church, so to speak, he accuses her of being drunk. That wasn't helpful. That wasn't nice. This, this woman's got a severe problem. And there are people causing her to stumble. And she would have a right to stumble over what her husband said and a right to stumble over what her pastor said and did and accused her of. Right? Wouldn't that be legitimate? Well, they just don't, you know, they don't pay attention to me and they don't. I'm worthy of more recognition than these guys give me. The prayer of the soul is a needy, selfish prayer. But the prayer of the spirit 
is always about the pleasure and the pleasing of the God of the Spirit. 14, then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Oh, he just stuck his foot right in his mouth, didn't he? Now she knew Eli. He was the pastor of her church. She knew that his sons were idiots. They had prostitutes at church. They took all the money. Then it was the fat. They took all the money from the church and spent it on themselves. And now the pastor's calling her a drunkard. What would you do? I'd leave that church. If I was a soulish Christian. Hello? If I thought that circumstances in my life dictated the outcome of the very things I wanted and I needed. At least jump up and rebuke the pastor for accusing me of being a drunk. Right? Right? Come on, help me here. Wouldn't that be appropriate? <laughs> Loosen up a little bit. You have a nice pastor in a nice church, and you don't have any of those circumstances, and I don't believe you ever will. Then Eli said to her, quit making yourself drunk. But 15, but Hannah answered and said, no, no, my Lord. She violates no principles, none. Now, she could have said, no, my Lord, you idiot. Or she could have said, no, you're an idiot. No, my Lord, showing submission to the man that's wrong, the man that's in sin himself. She honors a greater principle, the principle of obedience and submission to her God, to an anointed man. I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. She spoke the truth to him in love and didn't dishonor him. Verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. Hello. Verse 18. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So that, so the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. Verse 19. Then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife. And I won't explain to you what that was. And the Lord remembered her. He remembered her. She prayed a revelation prayer. He remembers a revelation prayer. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. 
Then the man, her husband Elkanah, went up with all his household to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow after she has conceived and had the child. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Now, in that time, a child was weaned no later than three years old. Remember what she prayed. Remember what she vowed. So she's concentrated on the commitment she made. She is ministering to the child, and she's not going anywhere with him, not even to the temple. And there's a reason she's surely not going there until he's three. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay forever. Stay forever? How old is is he going to be when she takes him there? Three. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. In other words, the husband's saying, You better be right about this. (laughs) So the woman... Remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three year old bull. I don't have time to explain how that fits in the equation, but it's profound. You might want to study it out. A three year old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although he was a, a child young. Three years young. Now, some of you ladies are, and I can understand why. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Now, remember, Eli accused her of being drunk. And his sons have prostitutes at the church. Verse 26, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, may... My Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and she worshiped the Lord there. Now... Hannah must have lost her mind, do you think? Maybe she tripped and bumped her head someplace. She prays and asks for a child. The Lord gives her one. She takes care of him till he's weaned, three years old. She takes him up to the temple. And she leaves him there for the rest of his life. Now that in itself is extraordinary. And what woman would do such a thing? Is that motherly? In soulish terms, in practical terms, no. It's not. 
A woman wouldn't and shouldn't do that unless she had an ideal revelation. Are you, are you with me? But this woman had an ideal revelation. And what I'm wanting to communicate to you, if you have circumstances, if you've got issues, problems, needs, desires, what you want to do, seek an ideal revelation. And respond to that ideal revelation then like Hannah responded and you'll get the outcome that she gets. She gets more than a son in this. And the circumstances were never ideal. Hello? She takes him to the temple and she leaves him there. He's only three years old and she leaves him with Eli, who's an idiot. That was meant to be funny. Have you ever had a babysitter that was an idiot? (laughs) You're too transparent. I shouldn't have asked you. I'll bet you found out after the fact, though, and you never had that one back. <laughs> Thank you for helping me. That was, help- it, it, that was helpful. Are your children still alive? They all still got all the body parts and minds working and all that. Now hear me. Especially mothers. Ideal circumstances will not get you a Samuel. An ideal revelation from heaven, an ideal prayer prayed, an appropriate response will get you the manifestation of an ideal prayer prayed. She took Samuel there three years old. She left him for the rest of his life with a man that was less than qualified. Eli had two sons, and they were both train wrecks. You can read it for yourself. They were terrible. Why would she do that? What you and I would have done is we'd have prayed another prayer, right? Now, Lord, I meant that. And as soon as a better pastor comes to church, then I'll take him over there and I'll leave him. Certainly, certainly you understand that. I'm sure you agree with me in that. Here we are Christians claiming that we're not soulish, that we're of the Spirit, by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Right? Right? We hear God. No. Why did she take him and leave him there with this Eli idiot who accused her of being a drunk? She knew that an ideal prayer prayed and an ideal prayer answered is not in subjection before or after to circumstances. If you can get a hold of this and run on that all your life. She leaves him there. 
Eli couldn't father his own sons. Now, Samuel's only three. Eli was, didn't just train him in the ministry. He had to be a father to him. Samuel was only three. Eli couldn't be a father to his own sons, but he was a father to Samuel. And we know the outcome of the priest, the prophet Samuel, right? We read about a lot of priests and a lot of prophets in the Old Testament, some of the great ones, and they had some major failures. Almost all of them, including David, Elijah, Elisha, on and on and on, but not Samuel. Samuel is fathered by a man who can't father his own sons, a man who is also eating all the fat, in other words, taking all the money, and he is tolerating the sin of his sons in the church. But he gets the job done with Samuel in a powerful and in a mighty way. Why and how? God can use negative, less than perfect circumstances to bring the best outcome to Hannah's child, Samuel. Why? Because she prayed an ideal prayer. She responded in an ideal way. The outcome was ideal because an ideal revelation is funded by God and he will provide. You know what I'm talking about. He will provide. He did provide. Samuel becomes profound prophet and priest. Matter of fact, Samuel appoints Saul as king, ordered by the Lord. Saul had his opportunity. He didn't respond too well. But all that was a setup for Samuel then to discover David and appoint him as king. And then David has the result of Jesus coming from his line. Hannah prayed an ideal prayer. What an outcome. How powerful do we need it and how powerful do we want it? Please hear me. Don't let circumstance dictate what you believe what you decide, and what you act on. And I'm not saying throw away practicality and wisdom. What I am saying is let's begin to pray some ideal revelation prayers. And let's allow in faith God to speak to us. Let's learn to respond to him. And we begin to have some of the outcomes like Hannah had. So she left him there. He's only three. Now you're thinking, well, she probably went over there every day and made him breakfast. No, she didn't. She went there once a year for the temple worship and the sacrifice. And when she went there once a year, she'd made him a new robe because he was growing. He would outgrow his priestly robe. Oh, and it says, you know, she, she takes him over there. I didn't tell you this part. She takes him over there originally, and she leaves him there. And it indicates that 
uh, Samuel began to worship and minister before the Lord that day immediately at three years old. Nobody showed him and nobody told him. Hello? That's what you call sovereign. You can't get better than sovereign. You know what I mean by sovereign? The move of the Spirit comes and does what men and practical influence couldn't get done. I know about all that in my own life. Forty-four years ago, I had an ideal revelation. Spirit of the Lord came to me personally. I began to pray an ideal prayer. At the time, I was separated from my wife. We were in the process of divorce. We had two daughters, young. I just kept praying that ideal prayer. Took nine months of praying that ideal prayer, and I got my Samuel. Hello. My wife gave her life to Christ in a born-again experience on the sidewalk in the moonlight in front of our house. We were reconciled that night. A little over nine months later, our son Luke was born. Hello. He's a powerful man, both of body and spirit. He can prophesy the wind. He and his wife have had four children. They're glorious to us. Two little boys, one of which is seven and one is five, and the one seven can prophesy the wind. He speak with authority like a full-grown man. You hearing me? No, 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 no. Are you hearing me? The impossible is more than possible. If we can get an ideal revelation, stop praying for just a little bit. Stop praying for it just to be better. If you're praying for a spouse or a family member or someone, stop fooling with prayers about the changing of circumstances and begin to pray ideal prayers. What you want and need is for God to sovereignly come in. That's what happened with Hannah. He remembered her. He came. He left the circumstances messed up. It communicates nothing about the other wife repenting. And if you read on, you find out that Eli and his sons died in their sins. Eli didn't get better. He didn't get smart from his opportunity with Samuel. He was just a vessel be used by the sovereignty of God from an ideal revelation prayed, an ideal manifestation come. (laughs) That's mysterious, is it? It's not really all explainable. Ideal revelation is a mystery. And the outcome of ideal revelation is also a mystery. But I'm into it. I've lived it. And if we had about three hours, I'd tell you story after story of it. 
You sitting in these chairs today is one of them stories. Hello? 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 And the hundreds that will be sitting in these chairs in the years to come. And all the Hannah stories they'll have. And the ideal revelation prayers they would have prayed. And sons and daughters born and grown up in health and in the wisdom and the stature of the Lord. It'll be present. Would you stand with me? And could we have the worship team come? I'm almost on time. (laughs) Lord, thank you. We trust that you are the ideal Christ. You manifest yourself by your ideal Holy Spirit. We know and confess that we are far from ideal, but we're not far from you. Come and be our ideal today. Help us. Invite us. bring any of our negative circumstances in an ideal prayer we trust that as we do there will be the manifestation of an ideal prayer answer not based in negative circumstances but in the power of a risen Christ who has his seat right hand of his father and the Holy Spirit poured out upon us I want to offer you this invitation today would you like to begin to receive consistently ideal revelation and have an expectation of ideal manifestation if you would like that please come join me and we'll simply stir and impart that to you thank you Lord thank you for coming yes Yes, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, be our ideal this moment. We confess that if you can be that for Hannah, you can be that for us. We even confess that you're the ideal whether we believe it or not. First of you, the ideal Christ.